Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Recently, you know, Michael Thomas has come out. He had a great year last year, put up some big numbers, and he said that he's the number one wide receiver in the NFL right now. Where do you see yourself stacking up against the Julios and the Odells and the Michael Thomases in the league? I played against both of those guys last year. We beat the Falcons. Uh, obviously, we lost to the Saints uh, in the last, you know, field goal towards the end of, uh, you know, regulation. I definitely think I'm the best. I know I'm the best. You know, Mike, my boy, I love Mike. We was texting yesterday, but he know if I had Drew Brees, my whole career, what these, what, these, what these numbers would be. Julio Jones, though, if I had Matt Ryan my whole career. That's my boy. I trained with Julio, too. You know what these numbers are piece. <laughs> DeAndre Hopkins with a sound bite. Is he really the top wide receiver right now in the NFL? Was he right for throwing his quarterbacks underneath the bus? A lot to break down on that audio, Kuz. Kuz, I want you to bookmark that real quick because we have to come back to that. We have to debate where DeAndre Hopkins lies um, right now in terms of wide receiver rankings. But we're actually joined by Steven. He just called in. He wants to finish up on the Doug Marone topics a little bit. He's got something for us. So, Steven, how you doing, man? What do you got for us? Uh, oh, I'm doing pretty good. So, did you enjoy that show I offered? Yesterday, I'll be honest, man. I have not got around to it quite yet. I've I've written it down, and when I have some more free time, I'll get around to it. But unfortunately, you have to remember how the life that I live, man. I train MMA. I have a five-year-old, and I had to watch wrestling um, as well. So I had to catch up on my wrestling. So didn't get around to the show quite yet, but I probably will this weekend. All right, uh, but no, my opinion is pretty much the same as you. Uh, because if I look back at my high school coach, he didn't mind being your friend or if you had a problem to come talk to him. But when you got the pads on and the helmet, it's time to go to work. Discipline, 100%. He was a bit of a hard ass sometimes, but he didn't mind being your friend when it, uh, you know, the pads and everything when it was all over. Steven, I had a quick question for you, man, because obviously you, you follow this Jacksonville Jaguars team pretty closely. You've obviously called in the show numerous times, and we we appreciate it. And anybody else wants to call in, feel free to call in Star Star 690. When you see Doug Marone this year, you know, and like I mentioned before on the show here, the, the reins are off now. You know, um, Tom Coughlin is gone. What type of coach do you see Doug Marone being, especially in a year where he has to win to keep his job? Ooh, uh, well, you – you kind of pointed out back in 2017, he was probably a little more stricter. And then, you know, in my opinion, it was Tom Coughlin probably dropped the hammer a little bit and he tried to balance it out being more of a player's coach. But honestly, I agree. I mean, he should probably uh, pull the reins a little bit more and get a little more discipline to where you don't have another Jalen Ramsey uh issue uh you don't have people questioning you Uh, you just come off as a coach instead of trying to be your friend on the field because it's time to go to work when the pads come on i like it steven man thanks for calling and yeah you know it it is a great point and i want to touch on this a little more here when 
you talk about a coach, you know, a successful head coach in the NFL. I mean, there's so many different types. There's your Pete Carroll's. There's your Andy Reid's who they really are your friend. You know, they're, they're not going to chew you out. They're not going to embarrass you in front of, you, uh, of other players, your peers. But then you have coaches like Bill Belichick, you know, who, in my opinion, at least from the outside looking in, is the ultimate dictator. You know, it's kind of his way or it's the highway. I mean, I'll never forget. I'm reminded of a story. I'm not going to share who it was. But uh, he's a friend of mine and actually got cut from one team, goes to the New England Patriots, and his first day there, as he's walking through the building, I'm not making this up, his first day there in New England, walking through the building, Bill Belichick comes to meet him in the lobby. And as they're walking through the practice facility, Bill Belichick points at a picture of a guy, a Hall of Famer, or, I'm sorry, uh, a Super Bowl winner, and says, who's this person? And my friend goes, I'm not sure, I don't recognize him. And Bill Belichick, believe me when I say, went absolute ballistic. And now this is a haul probably of 20 pictures. Believe me when I say that Bill Belichick told that player that if he doesn't memorize who every single player is in that haul by tomorrow, his ass was gone. Direct quote. Direct quote from Bill Belichick. And guess what? My friend memorized every single player, and he got all the answers right. But that's just what Bill Belichick was bringing to the table, okay? Ruling with the hand of God, if you will, where it's his way or the highway. Now, is that the right way to do things? For me and my personality, heck no. But guess what? How many Super Bowls has the New England Patriots won? How many Super Bowls has Bill Belichick won? So with that being said, who am I to say, well, that kind of style is not going to fly? I don't know, man. At the end of the day, you're not trying to be friends. You're trying to win Super Bowls. That's why we all do what we do, at least if you're still playing. I'm retired now. But that's why you play football, or at least that's why you should play football, one of the many reasons. So it's just it's interesting the different styles and the different, I guess, kind of beliefs that each coach can bring to the table. But I will say this, and I'm going to stand by this, whether you're a dictator or whether you're the friendliest guy in the world. You have to bring it to the player's level. You have to find common ground. I truly believe that. Because if you don't find common ground, players will not play for you. You saw it in Jacksonville. You saw it with Jalen Ramsey. And you saw it with the Tom Coughlin saga. Okay? This is a new era of NFL athlete. And the last thing they want to do, for whatever reason, is spend their time in a place that's miserable. Back when I played, if you were miserable, you suck it up, you go to work, and you do what you do. Nowadays, if you're miserable, you don't like the way something is, you can request a trade, or you can just chuck the deuces and leave. And that's the way it is. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's the way it is. So you either adapt to it, or you die. Or you're Bill Belichick, and you get away with it because you are the outlier. Like every single time we mention the New England Patriots on this show. I want to talk a little bit more about the Arizona Cardinals, though. More specifically, their new acquisition, accusation, acquisition, acquisition, right, Coos? Help me out here. Acquisition. Their new player. <laughs> their, their new guy that they traded for from another team who is now on their team. Yes. Yes, or acquisition? Uh, whatever it is. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, though. Um a little bit about DeAndre Hopkins. Listen, I have a lot of respect for this guy. I love his story, um, his childhood. I love his relationship with his mom from one mother's boy to another mother's boy. Uh, I salute you, sir. Um, might as well just be the CEO of Mother's Boys Worldwide, man, and I'm all for it. DeAndre Hopkins to me is interesting, though, because, and I'm sure if you grew up watching football, you can relate to this. When I grew up, 
watching the game of football, I was growing up with like Robert Brooks. I was growing up with the guy that jumped in the stands. I was growing up with like, you know, Ocho Cinco, Terrell Owens. These guys who not only were great wide receivers, but also larger than life personalities. These divas, these ego driven berserkers, if you will. And to me, the wide receiver position and the cornerback position. It's going to always demand the ego. It's going to always demand you because you're on an island. The whole world's watching. Do you think people tune on TV, the casual football fan, and says, hey, I wonder what the left guard's going to do this play? Absolutely not. When the quarterback drops back, who do the people, who, who do the casual fans point to? The wide receivers. Who is the ball going to? What's he going to do? How's he going to celebrate? And that's how really football, I think, kind of got, you know, on the forefront of just entertainment was because you had these celebrations. You had these larger than life um, personalities. And a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, he's not that type of guy to me. To me, DeAndre Hopkins is a little more low key. Now, yeah. He's in on celebrations. Who isn't? Yeah, if he gets a first down, he might spin the football. But let's be honest. For as talented as DeAndre Hopkins is, don't you picture him to try to be more of like, wow, let's see this end zone celebration. Wow, let's see this first down celebration. To me, he's not that guy. He almost reminds me a little bit, and I say this all due respect because he's one of my favorite players I ever got to go against, was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Andre Johnson. Andre Johnson, another Houston Texans wide receiver who was the most humble and the most low-key guy on the field, playing a position that did not warrant that. Andre Johnson was probably one of the best blocking wide receivers slash touchdown catching wide receivers of all time. And the guy never got his just due. Now, maybe obviously because of Houston, maybe a little bit of a smaller market. You know, I don't think Houston's really on the casual football fans radar, but also because of his style. He was never showboating. He was never on Twitter causing controversy. What he was doing was he was going out there, doing his job, and then when it was Christmas time or when it was a holiday, he was buying kids toys underneath the table. Didn't want it to get out to the media. Didn't want it to get out to the airwaves. He did it because it was the right thing to do. That's the type of guy that Andre Johnson is. And I think DeAndre Hopkins has a little bit about that him as well. So, Coos, if you can play back that audio now about DeAndre Hopkins literally kind of standing up for himself a little bit here and saying why he's the best wide receiver. Recently, you know, Michael Thomas has come out. He had a great year last year, put up some big numbers, and he said that he is the number one wide receiver in the NFL right now. Where do you see yourself stacking up against the Julios and the Odells and the Michael Thomases in the league? I played against both of those guys last year. We beat the Falcons. Uh, obviously, we lost to the Saints uh, in the last, you know, field goal towards the end of, uh, you know, regulation. I definitely think I'm the best. I know I'm the best. You know, Mike, my boy, I love Mike. We was texting yesterday, but he know if I had Drew Brees my whole career, what these, what, these, what these numbers would be. Julio Jones know if I had Matt Ryan my whole career. That's my boy. I trained with Julio, too. He know what these numbers would be. You know what? As I'm saying, well, first of all, Kuz, what do you think about that comment? Like, you know, you're, you're a casual football fan. Like, w- when you hear a player talk like that, do you think it's more like, wow, good for him, he's confident, he's defending himself, or are you from the principle where it's like, dude, get off yourself, man, you're cocky. What do you think? No, my first thought is, well, you have to think you're the best, if, especially if you're in the NFL. Thank you very much, and that's exactly how I feel about it, too. I actually encourage this. I like DeAndre Hopkins standing up for himself, saying he's the best wide receiver in the NFL. If I'm Kyler Murray right now, if I'm Kingsbury sitting in that luxurious um, Arizona house, 
I like what DeAndre Hopkins is saying right now. Because you have to have a little bit of that edge, and it's really an edge, to be fair, at least from my perspective, that I haven't seen a lot from DeAndre Hopkins. Now, I get what the other side's going to tell me. Well, Austin, he's throwing his quarterbacks underneath the bus. You know, those are his former brothers. There's a camaraderie built up. How dare he throw the quarterbacks underneath the bus? And you know what I'm going to say to that? Oh, I'm sorry. Who's he throwing underneath the bus? He's throwing David Carr underneath the bus. He's throwing Sage Rosenfels underneath the bus. He's throwing Matt Schwab underneath the bus. Matt Leinart underneath the bus. TJ Yates underneath the bus. Case Keenum. Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ryan Mallett. TJ Yates again. Brandon Whedon. Brian Hoyer. He's throwing these guys underneath the bus. And you have to ask yourself one question. Is he throwing them underneath the bus, or is he telling it like it is? Because I'll tell you what, I named about 10 different guys that have thrown in the football, well, and guess what? Not a lot of those guys are still in the league for a reason. Well, to be fair, the first person I thought of when I heard that was, man, he's throwing Watson under the bus. Well, and that's the thing, though, right? So that was cut off, and, and let's be fair. Deshaun Watson right now, top 10 quarterback, without a doubt. Has the makings to be possibly a top five quarterback. I don't know if you really threw Deshaun Watson underneath the bus. I think he was talking more about his career overall, of what he's had to endure. And you know what? And as crazy as it is, because listen, I've been very adamant about this show. I've said, yeah, DeAndre Hopkins, top five wide receiver, top five wide receiver. You know, I always say, oh, I like Michael Thomas a lot, man. Obviously broke the record in receptions in a year, had him in fantasy football uh, for one of my leagues, paid dividends for me. But hearing DeAndre Hopkins kind of go off a little bit and defend himself, I can't help but agree with him, man, okay? Because when we talk about the top five, in my opinion, the top five wide receivers right now in the NFL, and this is a no order, but let's discuss it a little bit. You got to throw Michael Thomas in there, obviously. You got, I think you got to throw Tyreek Hill in there, obviously. I think you throw Devontae Adams in there from Green Bay. I think you throw Julio Jones still. Yeah, he's kind of the ageist one, but he's still a great player. And maybe you throw like a Chris Godwin or Mike Evans. But DeAndre Hopkins is in that list. And out of those guys that I just named, what do they all had in common besides DeAndre Hopkins? They've all had the quarterback. Devonta Adams has, has Aaron Rodgers. Tyree Kill's got Patrick Mahomes. Michael Thomas, Drew Brees, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan. DeAndre Hopkins, a laundry list of quarterbacks who have not made it in the NFL. So with that being said, man, um, I think it's a couple things. I think it's the fact that DeAndre Hopkins, besides Deshaun Watson, has never really had that great quarterback. We'll see with Kyler Murray, but also his personality. There are two things that hurt him. You know, like to me, it's like MMA, where the best fighters in MMA aren't always the most celebrated ones. It's the guys that speak the loudest. It's the guys that get on social media, cause controversy, and it's the guys that have the highlight knockouts. You know, like, Odell Beckham Jr. is a great wide receiver. Where do we all remember him from? New York Giants making that prestigious catch in the end zone on Monday Night Football. If Odell Beckham Jr. doesn't make that catch, do we put him in the top ten right now? Do we say Odell Beckham Jr. is the top ten quarter, uh, wide receiver right now? I don't know. The, that one catch kind of changed the whole trajectory of the hype around Odell Beckham Jr., Okay, And with DeAndre Hopkins, yes, he's had great catches. He hasn't had many drops, I'll tell you that much. But he's always been consistent. And he's always been consistent with quarterbacks who are no longer in the league. So I might change up my tune a little bit. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge Michael Thomas fan. I think he's a fantastic wide receiver. You put him anywhere. You put him in the slot. You put him on the outside. Um, the guy's going to make plays. Big-bodied receiver, red zone threat. I like Michael Thomas a lot. 
But man, DeAndre Hopkins now, it's it's hard to knock that guy. That's all I'm gonna say. And hearing him talk like he just did, and Kuz having our conversation like we just did, you can kind of see why a little bit why Kyler Murray's got a lot of hype coming into this year. You can see why, and a Brett Martineau's going to be so upset. upset with you right Brett's going to be upset. I'm sure he's sitting in the rain right now, getting ready to throw his handheld radio if they still make those. But he's getting ready to throw no, something. He's got that, like wind up radio. No, that's the time picture, right? Like the camping radio. Yeah. He's getting ready to throw that camping radio all over the pitcher's mound because, listen, I'm here to say the hype around Kyler Murray, yeah, is it unwarranted? Possibly, but guess what? And I'm talking to you, Mr. Martineau. He's getting one of the best, if not the best, wide receiver in the game. And when you talk about that, that can work wonders for you as a quarterback. So an angle I was thinking of with that, obviously because he's changed teams, yeah. and the list that you guys have, or you have, yep. who is at the biggest risk of falling, ne- like say next year? Or are they have already proven themselves so much that a year of maybe down numbers won't Man, affect that? That's not a bad question, Coos. You know, who's... So, so basically what you're saying is who is in the risk of falling off the pedestal of, of greatness? Yeah, say so yeah. it's the top five or six, however many you had there. Yeah, yeah. Um, who has the chance to drop and maybe who would replace, you know, because that like could it. be the other side of it. So let's go ahead and call it like this because I like this idea here. Let's go ahead and say maybe two or three guys that I can see decreasing in talent. And let's bring up two or three guys who I think are going to increase to maybe, I don't want to say a top five because that's kind of cemented, but let's go ahead and say a top ten for sure. Maybe some sleepers, if you will. So two guys who I think can kind of fall off a little bit this year in the NFL in terms of wide receiver productivity. Man, that's a great question. Um, You know what? And I've been very adamant about this guy. And I'm not saying this because me and Brett Martineau have a bet on the line because of this guy. Actually, you know what? I am saying this, and I hope he's listening right now. So, Cruz, if you remember, me and Brett have one of our, I don't know, 25 bets that we have going on right now on the show is the fact that I think Baker Mayfield is going to have better numbers this year than Ben Roethlisberger. Okay? And a big reason why I think Ben Roethlisberger isn't going to put up the big numbers is because Juju Smith-Schuster. If you remember last year going into the season, Coos, Juju Smith-Schuster was like supposed to be like the number one guy taken in fantasy football in terms of wide receiver. He was at least the top five talent. You know, everybody was on the Juju Smith-Schuster hype train. He's doing Pizza Hut commercials. He's doing everything. He's doing, what is his dance called? The What is his dance called? Uh, it was one of those Fortnite dances. Yeah, what do you call that? Those dance. Whatever it was, he's doing know. on the Pizza Hut commercials. He's got that sweet haircut rolling. I get it, man. But let's be honest to ourselves. Smith-Schuster last year didn't produce. No. A lot of that had to do with injuries. A lot of that had to do, obviously, with the quarterback play because Big Ben got hurt. But even when Big Ben was in, I don't think Smith-Schuster was the guy that people were fearing. I think he might have had one or two catches against the New England Patriots week one of the opening season. So I think Smith-Schuster is a guy who I'm sure a lot of people still have him as a top 10 talent. Obviously, a Pittsburgh Steelers roster who is super talented, um, a personnel that can win a lot of games. They obviously won 8-8 eight and eight last year with basically nobody. I think Smith-Schuster's a guy that can fall out of the top 10. And go ahead and give me the other guy that I think is going to fall out of like a top 10 or a top 5. Such a hard question. I think right now with the way the Dallas Cowboys are set up, okay, and Amari Cooper last year, and it's funny because even his peers seem to say this a lot about Amari Cooper. You know, I'm reminded of Rex Ryan Going on, I think it was NFL Live saying Amari Cooper's overrated, should have never got paid what he got paid. He only has a couple big games, and in the big moment, he fades a little bit. Well, I think right now Amari Cooper would be considered a top-ten talent, without a doubt, especially in fantasy. 
And I think with right now what the Dallas Cowboys have, obviously, with Ezekiel Elliott, and don't forget, they bring in C.D. Lamb, who a lot of NFL draft experts had as a number one receiver, who, who some Jaguars fans are saying, bring C.D. Lamb to Jacksonville, let's go. I think with the addition of him as well, I think Amari Cooper might fall off a little bit this next season, and you know, C.D. Lamb might take over a little bit more. So for, then for who could potentially replace? So here's the thing. So yeah, who is going to move up in the rankings? And it's funny, right? Because those two guys that I just mentioned, on paper, high-powered offenses. On paper, very high expectations this year. Ironically, this guy that I'm about to mention, who I think is going to be an underdog and maybe be a top 10, if not, hold your breath, a top 5 talent, is on a crappy team. I'm going to tell you that right now. Crappy team, not going to a lot of games, but for some reason, I have a feeling because the quarterback that's throwing the ball, Kenny Galladay out of Detroit. I think Kenny Galladay this year for the Detroit Lions. And Kuz, go ahead and bookmark this, man. Go ahead and save this for me because we'll see it when the season's over. I think Kenny Galladay of the Detroit Lions could be a big-time player this year um, at wide receiver. I don't think he gets a lot of love because obviously he plays in Detroit. Obviously the Lions have been bad for how long now? Obviously Matt Patricia, more of a defensive-minded coach than he is offensive-minded coach. But all those things considered, I think Kenny Galladay this year could be something special. So he's on my list for sure. And if I'm going to go the other guy, I kind of want to be a homer and say Allen Robinson, you know, former Jacksonville Jaguar. I like what he's doing, but let's be honest right now. The reason why I took Gallaudet was because I'm still confident in Matthew Stafford. I'm not confident in Mitch Trubisky, and I'm not sure how confident I am in Nick Foles right now. So unfortunately, I can't say Allen Robinson. But if I'm going to say a guy right now outside the top 10 who could be a top 10 talent, maybe even a top 5 talent this year, to me it's Cortland Sutton out of Denver. You know, we've uh, we, we've had some guys on the show. I'm trying to think of the, uh, the dude from Denver, we, the Denver Post that we always talk to. Oh, I'm blanking on his name. Halloran. Yeah. Ryan O'Halloran loves him. You know, and I think if you look at what the Broncos did this year in the draft, it's apparent. You know, the Denver Broncos, to me, have always been like the Jacksonville Jaguars a little bit. You establish the run, you play great defense, and you pass when you have to. Well, your dad's Denver Broncos are done, okay? This is the new era Denver Broncos. This is the pass first, um, ask questions later Denver Broncos. And I think the guy at the forefront of that is going to be Cortland Sutton. I think that the Denver Broncos got rid of Emmanuel Sanders because they know what they have in Corwin Sutton. And that's a big-time, big-play-making receiver who's a red zone beast, who's 6'4", your prototypical one receiver, throw the ball up there and go get it. Now, the big question mark, obviously, is Drew Locke. Can, can, can Drew Locke um, you know, be that guy to facilitate the ball? But once again, look what DeAndre Hopkins did with his career. He didn't have the best quarterbacks, and I think Cortland Sutton is that type of that type of talent where he doesn't need a an Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't need a Patrick Mahomes to be successful. Heck, he was successful last year with the rookie Drew Locke. You know, so go ahead and give me uh, Cortland Sutton as my sleeper to be a top ten, if not a top five wide receiver next year. We'll have to uh, mark it down for, you know, obviously, depending on when the season starts, if it starts, but we'll have to mark those well, those guys down. Here's the problem, and here's why that question that you asked me sucks, because I'm <laughs> because I'm on my own here. Like, I wish Brent was here so I could hear his answers, because now all the pressure's on me. So either it's going to be 
all guts and glory or it's going to be, hey, Austin Lane's an idiot because he said Corlin Sun's going to be a top 10 guy. Hey, Austin Lane's an idiot because Kenny Galladay is <laughs> going to be a top five guy. Like, well, there's a lot riding on me right now and just my shoulders. Well, that's the best because if you're right, no one's really going to say anything. And if you're wrong, everybody's going to say something. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I guess, but isn't that the beauty, though, of, of sports talk radio is like, when you make these bold predictions, listen, if Kenny Galladay has a bad season next year, it's going to be, well, yeah, you know, he plays in the Lions. Yeah, I can see that Austin. You know, you made a guess, and it is what it is. But if Kenny Galladay has a great season next year. You called it. I mean, I'm going to be on Twitter. I'm going to be on Facebook. I'm going to have that sound bite, and I'm going to be shipping it out to my resume to every single sports station that you can imagine. Now, I'm not going to go work for them because I love ESPN 690 Jacksonville, but I just want my name in the airwaves. I want my name out there saying Kenny Galladay was going to be a special player. When uh, when it was the Cavs-Warriors uh, series that the Cavs came back from a 3-1 yeah. deficit, before it even started, I said the Cavs were going to win games at Game 7, and everyone was like, dude, you're you're an idiot. Sure. And I called it. It's like That's awesome. The one thing I hold on to yeah. <laughs> to this day. Well, and let's be honest, man. Th- this is the landscape of sports media. And Kuz, you're part of it. You've seen it, man. You've heard it. We just say things with bold predictions, and then one time it's going to stick. And when it sticks, then we share it. The other nine times that we were wrong, it's like, ah, don't worry about that little guy right there. Someone Look calls in to remind you, you're like, ah, I don't remember that. Yeah, yeah, I, I have no re- recollection of that, sir. Hey, man, when we get back here on ESPN 690, it is Jacksonville Giants Day after all. We're going to be joined by a very special player, man, that I have a lot of respect for, that I almost went to bat for because I thought we were going to get in a fight. We're talking to Maurice Mickens here in the 535 time slot. And then also, man, I actually want to get in a little um, something more serious. Listen, I'm going to address this up in Minnesota because I think it has to be addressed. Um, I get, man, we have fun on this show. We talk a lot of sports, but it would go against what I believe in um, as a human if I didn't at least mention the stuff happening in Minnesota. So we're going to have that for our last segment of the show. But when we get back, it's more Jacksonville Giants stuff here on ESPN 690. Welcome back to Action Sports. Jacks here on ESPN 690. We've been talking about it all day, man, celebrating the Jacksonville Giants. Arguably probably the best sports franchise that we have right now in the city of Jacksonville with all due respect to the Sharks. And obviously with all due respect to the Jaguars, I played on them, but let's not lie. Um, Championships speak louder than words. And the Jacksonville Giants right now have those championships in spades. I talked about my game that I played with them. Um, You know, uh, I think it was in January, if you will. I had a blast. I'm a little upset right now with iMovie Coos because I was going to put out a little highlight film of me of that game. You know what they say? They call me Mr. Thanksgiving because I was stuffing that box score. But unfortunately, iTunes just felt like it wasn't going to post my video today. So I couldn't put my highlight film out there. But that's all good. Um, and speaking of highlights, and we, we talk about all the time Coos on this show. We talk about the staples. We talk about the pillars of a team, the captains, the guys that really drive the engine. And the guy that I'm bringing on here right now, drives the engine for more than one reason. Not only because of his talent, but the way that he approaches the game for your Jacksonville Giants. And that guy is none other than point guard, number one, Maurice Minkins. Minkins, what's up, man? How you doing? How you doing, man? It might have been the best invitation to to anything I ever had in my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, man, I appreciate it. And, hey, if you're looking for somebody to invite, you know, invite, invite you yeah. to, to the Hall yeah. of Fame, be sure to give me a call, man, and I can do for that sure. for you, all right? <laughs> for sure. So I have to go back to the game real quick, man, that I played in. And obviously, um, you're out there a lot. You're out there a lot more than I was because I'm not going to lie, I was a little winded. But I'm never going to forget what you <laughs> told me before I got on the court. And you told me, like, hey, uh-huh. man, 
if, if I get in a fight, you better have my back and punch somebody because you're, you're only here for a game. I have to play the rest of the season. So I was kind of like the enforcer, man. And obviously you're yeah. joking around, but I've also seen you at practice. And you do have that dog about you. You have that killer mentality. Where does that come from? Um, just the upbringing, man, just not having nothing coming up, you know, so you had to go get it. got to have that mentality. If you don't, then you can't be sitting in the seat that I sit in. Well, you ain't going to be able to play no sports because you ain't got no dog. You know what I mean? So that's where it comes from, man, the upbringing. Memphis, Tennessee, man. Well, and you said it yourself, you know, and I actually I went to school at Murray State, Kentucky, played football there. But we had a lot of guys from Memphis, Tennessee, and they all had one thing in common. They were great hoopers, man. I remember our intramural team almost made the national championship just because we had three guys from Memphis who were all offensive linemen, but they could still hoop. What is it about Memphis, Tennessee that produces such great basketball talent? Man, you know, like, even even coming up, like, you got so much talent. And being talented is not just going to get it, you know what I mean? So you got to have, you know what I mean, the the work the work ethic. You know, I'm sitting in front of Bailey's right now. you ready to go in Bailey's when I get it, when I get done with y'all. Like, you got to have the work ethic, you know what I mean? That, that counts. Even at a young age, I had that, you know? So that's what it's about. You know, and obviously when we talk about that work ethic and what you bring to the team – you know, I was at that practice, and a part of me wanted to come in with you guys, you know, and just play some five-on-five, five, but then I saw how intense things got. And I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, I didn't really grow up around basketball. It was more football. But I was kind of shocked when I saw just how competitive you guys were just in a practice. And then I watched the, you know, the last dance with Michael Jordan and everything, and I saw that dream team footage. And I saw Magic Johnson yeah. chuck the ball into the bleachers. I'm pretty sure that day that I was practicing with you, I think you chucked the ball <laughs> in the bleachers. So I guess my yeah. question is man is our practices always like that and what is it like knowing that your practices let's be honest are probably more intense than the games even are yeah because we know we got we got 10 or 11 guys that's maybe the best in the league you know what i mean so if we don't beat up on each other then that's when we lose our edge you know coach won't even let us practice if we don't practice like that so there's no way around it either you bring it either you either you tough enough to take it or you, you got to go home man it's as simple as that. <laughs> simple as that. Talking to point guard Maurice Makins from the Jacksonville Giants, helping us come on ESPN 690 today and celebrate the Jacksonville Giants. Maurice, just how great is it, you know, with the ABA organization, obviously you play all around the country. What is it like playing in front of those home fans? You know, I think last year you guys had around 8,000 to 9,000 fans per game. I remember the game that I played in at the Visar Vetch's Memorial Arena. I was just in shock of how many fans come out and support. What does that mean to you? Man, it's still good chills to this day, man. I can't wait to get back in front of them. But uh, it means the world, man. It's like another home to me. Um, can't do nothing without Duval, man. I understand. Um, when I got injured, you know, they embraced me. A couple guys from here embraced me, including Coach and Calvin. Um, they embraced me, man, got me back to where I'm at now. And Duval just like another home, so it gave me chills playing in front of them because you never know when you're going to play again, obviously, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you said it yourself right now, when, when you're going to play again. And obviously this past season, I mean, you guys were on a roll. I think you only had one loss. I think you were 25-1. and one. And obviously you right. had all the talent. You know, you have Coach Williams, who's a great coach. I mean, you guys were poised to win another ABA national championship. 
And then all of a sudden right. you find out that with COVID-19 and the pandemic, that's not going to happen. And I'm sure coach kind of called you, probably brought you into the locker room and said, hey, guys, the season's over. What is that like hearing those words, you know, being a player where it's out of your control? There's nothing you can do. Just the season's done. What was it like in that locker room? You know, usually we can always think of ideas of, you know, we can go here and play, we can go there and play, but everything was shut down, man. So it was like a, a eye-opener. You know what I mean? Basketball could be gone just like that. You know what I mean? So it, it made us, you know, think about the real life, you know, after basketball, what they always tell us about, you know. And reality is serious, man. So, I mean, we we, we taking it on the head, man. Hopefully we can get back on that court soon. But, man, it's tough, man, especially hearing that news, man, because, you know, you got teams out there that talk like they number one and talk like they're going to beat us, but it's easy to talk, you know what I mean? But we want to play. That's all we want to do is play. Point, you know? Yep, absolutely. Point guard Maurice Makers of the Jacksonville Giants are helping us celebrate Jacksonville Giants Day here on ESPN 690. Got two more questions for you because I don't want to keep you from from going into Bailey's, getting your workout in. I know how that is. Um, yeah. Listen, in terms of talent, man, let's be honest. I mean, they call you Mr. Clutch. You, you're one of the most talented guys in the ABA. What do you get out of it now as a basketball player in your career? I mean, are you a guy who's trying to, you know, achieve that next level? Are you a, try, a guy that's trying to maybe play on a different team, get that big contract? Or are you kind of content now in the city of Jacksonville playing for the Giants and being one of the best players in the ABA? No, I'm not content. Um, one of my favorite things to do right now is, though, um, you know, I just take the moment as what it is. You know, if, if I get a call, I get a call. Yeah. But um, just seeing those young guys grow, man, you know what I mean? Growing to their own, you know, that that's my goal right now, is develop those guys and get them to the next level. You know, you got a couple guys that that was talented, you know what I mean, that didn't have that push. And we try to give them that push, me, Tug, Cal, you know, coach, try to give them that push to go do something else, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, don't fall out for stuff, just do something else, you know. So that's my goal right now is to, you know, develop guys and get them ready for Because they're younger. They're like 24, 23 years old, Travis. You know, guys like that are lose, like those guys. Try to get those guys going. You know, that's like my goal right now. I like it. One last question for you, man. Obviously, you grew up in Memphis, and we're around the same age. I think you had me by a couple months. But, you know, being being a kid of the mid-'90s, and we talk about Memphis, a guy that comes to mind is Anthony Hardway, Penny Hardway, right? Yeah. Um what did he mean to you, obviously, growing up as a basketball player? And number two, do you want to see a last dance version of the Orlando Magic, especially from the mid-'90s, when you had Penny, when you had Horace Grant, when you had Shaq? Would that be pretty entertaining to you? Yeah, only when they beat him. <laughs> you know, only when they beat Chicago. You know, I don't want to see Penny go down like that. But Penny, Penny's still competitive to this day. I go back home, we play a little bit. You know, um, he still play right now, but man, Penny meant a lot to the city. Period, man. Mental life of Florida too. You know, like Penny is a great person, man. One of the one of the smartest basketball players I ever played with and against. You know, mm-hmm. you know he he a beast. You know, coming from that city, man, it's an honor to have him from that city. You know, I can say, yeah, man, Penny, Penny from my city. You know, yeah. a lot of people want to do that, but they can't. You know, so. Shout out to Penny. Shout out to Memphis. All right, Maurice, man, we're not going to keep you any longer. Go get that workout in. We appreciate you coming on the show today, celebrating the Jacksonville Giants, and best of luck to you in your future career, man. All right, man, you're welcome at practice any day, man. <laughs> I'm all good, man. I'm a one and done, man. I appreciate the offer. <laughs> <laughs> you have a good all one, right. dude. All right. Okay. Jacksonville Giants guard Maurice Mickens. Hey, how many times do you think Maurice Mickens asked, told Brent Martin, now, hey, you're welcome at practice anytime.
you, you think Brent got that at all? I don't think so. Yeah, there's another feather in the old proverbial cap. I, I like it, man. Confidence is boosted. Listen, it's been a fun day today on ESPN 690. You know, I've been kind of driving the vehicle by myself. Kuzi's doing a great job keeping me between the lines and everything. But listen, I would be a little remiss if we didn't at least talk about a little bit and have a conversation about what's happening in Minnesota. Yeah, we have a lot of fun on this show, but I think sometimes things happen on a on a bigger scale that we need to address. And I wouldn't be proud of the show, and I wouldn't be proud of who I am if I didn't address some of the things happening right now in Minnesota. So it's going to be kind of a somber note when you get back here on ESPN 690, but let's be honest, it's a conversation that we all need to have. More up ahead here on ESPN 690. All right, welcome back to ESPN 690. One more segment of the show today, and then it's finally the weekend. I love it, man. Um, Shout out to everybody that came on today, you know, for the Jacksonville Giants. It was great to celebrate the Jacksonville Giants Day here today in ESPN 690. Um, Shout out to all the guests. You know, I mean, it was a a very cool thing. Uh, Coach Williams came on, obviously. Um, Asked me back. Not sure if I'm going to do that or not, but we'll see what happens. Calvin Warner, thanks for joining us. And obviously Maurice Mickens wanting that Anthony Penny Hardway, uh, Orlando Magic last dance thing. We'll see if his wishes come true. But um, thanks to everybody that came on the show today and hyped up the Jacksonville Giants. They definitely earned it because, once again, probably the most successful sports team right now in the city of Jacksonville. Going to change things up just a little bit. You know, and I'll be honest with you, you know, the, the, the past few days of everything that's transpired here, um, you know, in Minnesota, but kind of as a country in general, um, it's been hard, man. I think it's been hard on everybody. And I'll be honest with you, it was kind of an eerie day for me because I knew I had to come on this show and I had to talk about sports. I mean, that's what we do. And we're really that outlet that provides people distraction from their everyday lives that distracts people from you know the craziness that's going on in the world every single time you know and i take great pride in being the entertainment i take great pride in people checking us out and saying you know what i can turn off my brain a little bit and i can hear austin lane brent marno and justin kuzart talk about random stuff talk about tiger king talk about the jacksonville jaguars like we have fun and i take great pride in that and i also take great pride in that i have a co-host and a boss in brent marno who has always let me be myself, okay? Through the the past couple years that I've worked with him, he has never told me one time, hey, don't do that, don't be yourself. And even when I text him today and say, hey, man, I kind of want to talk about a little bit about the Minnesota stuff, he encouraged me, man. And, and that says a lot about who he is because not every boss is going to say that. And I understand right now that people are listening may not agree with me, and what I'm about to say may offend some people. And if that's the case, then please turn off the radio. I have no problem with that. I got nothing but love for everybody. But I think right now people have to hear what I'm about to say. Okay, and I think it needs to be said. I think that the world is greater than sports. Even our station sometimes is bigger than sports. So there's no really easy way to get into it, but just here we go. You know, I think that it's time that as a society that we take a great look at ourselves and we look at ourselves of what we represent as a country. Okay, we claim to be the best country in the world. And you always hear the phrase, we're proud to be an American. And I'll be honest with you, I love our country. I think it is the best country in the world, and I am proud to be an American. But right now, everything that's transpiring, whether it's in the streets of Minnesota, whether it's the stuff that you read on Twitter or Facebook with people's opinions, 
I'm finding it kind of hard right now to have pride in this country. I'm trying to find it right now to say the phrase, you know, I'm proud to be an American. Because I'll be honest, man, I'm not the most proudest right now, okay? And, you know, guys like Clayus Campbell, I mean, Clayus Campbell I thought put it great today. And, I mean, we got Carson Wentz. Listen, every professional athlete right now is taking their stance and saying their two cents. Clayus Campbell, a guy who's well-respected in the community here in Jacksonville, uh, he tweeted this about an hour ago. Looting shouldn't warrant being shot at. This is not okay. Black Americans pay our hard-earned money in taxes to be protected by the police and the National Guard. Not to be shot at or killed. Enough is enough. Arrest people, let the courts fail us, but please stop killing us. You know, and those sentiments are being echoed out through all the professional athletes, through uh, celebrities, and just everyday people. And I know what you're saying right now. Hey, Austin Lane, who are you? You know, shut your mouth, talk about sports. Well, I'm not going to do that, okay, because I have a platform um, and people listen, okay? And when the whole Colin Kaepernick ordeal went down, listen, I don't have a lot of regrets in my life, but one, probably one of the biggest regrets that I had was when Colin Kaepernick took a knee and he was reached with the outcry. I probably wrote about a five-page just thesis, a five-page report about what I thought about everything. And you know what I did, Coos? I put it in my email and I deleted it. I took the coward's way out. And I even got called out by some former teammates, and I got called out for some of my best friends that said, dude, you're doing yourself a disservice by deleting that stuff. You have to use your voice. That's the voice that's going to be the change. So I'm not going to make the same mistake again, so I'm just going to kind of speak from the heart a little bit and tell you where I'm at. Um, I think the problem right now with this country is that we're so hell-bent on flexing our pride that we've gotten to the point when we can't admit that there's a problem. Um, I feel like right now the United States of America is like an addict. And it's an addict who's too stubborn to get help regardless of how many people try and plead. Being strong doesn't mean pounding your chest when someone doesn't agree with you. Being strong is all about learning from your mistakes, admitting when you're wrong. When Colin Kaepernick took the knee for racial injustice, people said that he disrespected the flag and that he failed to admit the problem that he was fighting for. People had the tendency to use patriotism to cover up the fact what he was really trying to do. He was trying to get the point across that his black brothers and sisters were getting gunned down in the streets by people who were sworn to protect them. When gay rights were brought to light, some people treated the LGBTQ plus communities as something other than human. They didn't give them the equal rights. People said that they, they don't deserve to have the same rights because of what a verse in the Bible said. I went to church for 12 plus years. I was Lutheran. And the biggest thing that I took from the Bible is the fact that the Bible treats us that we treat ourselves with respect and we treat our brothers and sisters with respect. Now we have this guy by the name of George Floyd who was choked to death on the street by a police officer who failed to do his job all while the, dece all while the deceased was screaming that he couldn't breathe. While Once again, while a bunch of his brothers and sisters were watching him take his last breath. And instead of people being outraged about this, there's a group of people who want to bring up the fact that he shouldn't have broken law. There's a group of people that bring up the fact that they shouldn't be rioting right now. And they don't see the big picture. Yes, are the riots bad? Sure they are. Is looting and damaging streets and property in Minnesota bad for minority owners and business owners alike? You better believe it. But don't forget, please, that when the counties were asking to be independent when our country was first being born, there was riots then. And it turned out okay. When a gay person threw the very first brick at Stonewall Inn in New York because they weren't a fan of the 1960s of how gay people were being treated, well, that brick 
caused a whole circle of gay people getting their rights, of gay people getting respected over that riot. Okay, so I'm not saying I'm not pro riot. Okay, I'm not pro violence. I'm just saying that right now we live in a country where people feel like they're not being heard, and it's the only option that they have left. But that's not really the reason why I'm upset right now, man. The reason why I'm upset is because we always talk about how strong this country is. We talk about how, you know, we have to band together and we have to solve these racial problems, but we don't do it. Defending your pride, no matter how misjudged or how misguided you are, it does not make you strong. It's the easiest thing to do. It is literally the easiest thing to do to take the values that have been instilled in you and say, you know what? This is the way we should do things, not that way. You're wrong, I'm right. That's the easiest thing to do. It's one of the hardest things to do to say, you know what? I have to take a look at myself and who, what I believe in and how I was raised. And I have to take a look at myself and say, you know what? There's problems going on in this country right now. There's a problem with how minorities are being treated in this country, especially when it comes to law enforcement. And to me, this isn't even a black and white issue anymore. There's always going to be the black and white issue. We're always going to look different. Everyone's going to look different, whether it's black people or white people. To me, this is a problem about how do people think there's a problem right now with how minorities are being treated or not. That's the battle right now. Okay? So with that being said, you know, with, with, with George Floyd and everything like that, until our country can toughen the F up and admit that we have a problem, instead of hiding behind a cloak of ignorance, we're always going to be weak. And as long as we continue to be weak, we're never going to be able to grow as a country. And that's all I got to say about it. I'm sorry if I offended some people. It's just how I feel. But regardless of how you feel about what I just said, I want you guys to all have a great weekend. I want you guys to all stay safe from Austin Lane, from Justin Kuzart, from Brett Martin over ESPN 690. We'll talk to you guys on Monday. Have a good weekend. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.